You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Today I want to preach on a subject, my best yes, my best yes, you may be seated. I spent the last five weeks out at the campground in Millersport, Ohio at some point, making the trip out there the last five weeks, and four weeks, I should say, getting ready for the fifth week in another week. But uh, when, I, when I drive out to the campground, anytime I go out to Millersport, I think of my best yes. And that was the day I said, you know what? I should meet Kristen Pasley. <laughs> and of course, I know her best yes. was down on the river, the Ohio River, on the Kentucky side, in Covington at a park, overlooking Riverfront Stadium, kneeling in the snow, asking her to marry me. She said, yes. Yeah. But I, <laughs> what I, I love about that story, because we, we weren't fancy like everybody is today. We didn't have the hired photographers, and those, we had to, I don't even know how we got photos from that, but we do, I think. Um, but I remember kneeling, standing up, giving her a hug, and what I remember is her going like this, <laughs> in, in the moonlight, Trying to see, was that a good yes? Was that, my, was that my best yes? I've heard Kate Sizemore on many occasions tell her children, that is not your best yes. It's a great saying. You should try it if you're a parent. It's, it feels right. That is not your best yes. We can probably look back on our lives and find some yeses that were not great. We have said yes to people when we probably shouldn't have. We've said yes to laziness when we shouldn't have. We've said yes to our anger. We've said yes to jealousy. We've said yes to food cravings. It's a good yes, though. It's probably not the best yes. We say yes to thoughts and our flesh. We say yes to depression. It comes in our mind. We have yeses in our life where we open up doors for things in our lives. I want to just take a few moments today and walk through a couple scriptures that I feel can help us today. I don't know that this will be a 
sermon or teaching or what it'll be in between there somewhere. But I feel to, to kind of walk through a series of passages today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Sylvanius, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us. You see, Paul is is the second letter that Paul has written to the church in Corinth. And so he's bringing back something to their remembrance. In the first letter, Paul said to them, For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks... Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So here again, he reminds them that the message hasn't changed. He said, we preach Jesus among you. I haven't come to preach with some kind of intellect or human ability. I've come to preach Jesus Christ. And I just want to remind us here at the Calvary Church that when you walk in this church, we're going to preach Jesus Christ. We're going to preach Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and rose again. The early 1800s, man by the name of Edward Grew up in England, his parents managed a pub and often left Edward out to fend for himself at a young age, playing in the streets and doing whatever he wanted. So Edward would say of his childhood years, he said, so ignorant was I that I did not know that there was a God. He was finally given, uh, exposed to Christianity and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he was baptized at 18 years old. He would then go on to form a career as a cabinet maker, and he worked in London, England for 37 years. And it would be only in his 50s that he entered the ministry and began to pastor a church in England, and he pastored that church for 20 Six years. He was liked by the congregation, and that's a good thing. Amen. <laughs> they offered him the church building as a gift. Not suggesting anything, I'm just saying that's what they did. <laughs> Moat replied, I do not want the chapel, I only want the pulpit. And when I cease to pre- preach Christ, then turn me out of that. In other words, I am only here on this earth to preach Christ. I'm only here to promote Jesus Christ. And he died on November 13th, 1874. He's buried in a churchyard there in England. But Edward left behind a compelling message through a song 
that he wrote when he was 39 years old before he ever entered into ministry that to me points us back to what Paul spoke here in 2 Corinthians 1.19. Edward wrote, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. He would write, when darkness veils his lovely face, I'll rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy day, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. He would write his oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the uh, overwhelming flood when all around my soul gives way. He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. I know we can stand on a lot of other things in life, but I point back to what Paul said, that we simply preach Christ. It's the hope, it's the wisdom, it's the power of God for this world, and that's what we need. And Edward would write, finally, he said, when we shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Paul is working them to something here in this passage. He's wanting them to know where he's starting. He's wanting them to have an assurance that you need to make sure that Jesus Christ is the one that you're putting your focus and your hope in. And then he says... Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. Jesus Christ was not duplicitous. He did not sometimes say yes to the will of God and then other times say no to the will of God. Paul is helping them understand that Jesus Christ, the one whom we put our hope and our trust in, was not yes and no. He was yes to the will of God. And so when you and I read scripture and you and I pray to Jesus Christ and you and I look to him for mercy, one thing that we can count on is that he was not sometimes, yes, I'll do the will of God. No, I won't do the will of God. No, you can count on the fact that that Jesus Christ was yes. And so when you pray to God for mercy and you pray to God for help, you can stand firm that he is yes. And in him is stability and in him is strength and in him is power because he chose to say yes. 
You can see this in his life, and I'll quickly go through his life. At 12 years old, he said yes. It was at 12 years old that he kind of got lost, and his parents were leaving Jerusalem, and he found himself in the temple, and they were looking for him. And he said to them when they found him in verse 49 of chapter 2 of Luke, he said, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And so at 12 years old, it wasn't sometimes yes and sometimes no. It was always yes. And so when it came time for him to enter into ministry and John was overwhelmed at the idea of baptizing him, John tried to prevent him in Matthew 13, 14. He said he tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and are you coming to me? He saw Jesus coming and he said, surely he's coming to help me. But Jesus was saying yes to what God wanted him to do. And so Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting that for us to fulfill all righteousness. And so it says, then he allowed him, he allowed him to be baptized. And it was then in that baptism that suddenly a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, uh, Jesus kept saying yes to, to every step of the way. So it would be important for us to understand in Luke chapter four that Jesus, the Bible says, was full of the spirit of God. And he returned from Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness. I don't know about you, but if God spoke over me in this room and said something audible for all of you to hear, I would think I'm something pretty special. I would think, you know what? I probably don't deserve a wilderness. Didn't you just tell me that you're well pleased with me? Didn't you just tell me that I'm your beloved? But Jesus was led to the wilderness by the Spirit, and he said, yes, I'll go to the wilderness. I'll be led to the wilderness to be tempted to face whatever I have to face. And then he began to teach, and he was saying yes to what he was asked to do. And finally, we realize he taught and he performed miracles and he did amazing things. But it was there in that upper room where he had that final Passover meal that he began to recognize that his yes was not finished. And so he had to determine was he going to say yes or no. And so he led his disciples out to the garden. And it was in the garden that he began to pray. And he began to wrestle with the yes and the no. I have an opportunity to run from here. I have an opportunity to walk away from here. But Jesus prayed this prayer that we're all thankful for. Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. I would rather say no to this moment, uh, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Your will be done. And there again in that struggle, he said yes to the will of God. 
And so it was during that prayer meeting that the soldiers would come and they would carry him to be crucified on the cross. And they would nail him to that wooden beam. They would lay him down. They would beat him. They would nail those or put those nails in his hands and in his feet. But yet he still had a yes in him. He still had a yes in him. And so while he was hanging on the cross, the Bible said Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In other words, I could curse them in this moment. I could step over to the no side and say, you know what? I've done it long enough. But no, he kept saying yes to the will of God. And finally, in Luke 23, 46, when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last breath. From beginning to end, you see Jesus just kept saying yes to the will of God. And so Paul said, I've come to preach to you Jesus Christ. And he's not just some ordinary individual. He's not just somebody who is just like anybody else, but he said he was not yes and no, but in him was yes. Somebody say yes. Somebody say yes. Herein we find the faithfulness of God. We find what happens when we say yes to the will of God because the promises it says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, the next verse, Paul says, For all the promises of God in him are yes. For all the promises of God are in him yes. What is he saying? That if you want to inherit the promises of God, if you want to experience the promises of God, you're not going to experience them by saying yes sometimes and no at other times to the will of God. The only way that you're going to experience the promises of God is when you say yes. For all the promises of God in him. Are yes and in him, amen to the glory of God. I want to read it to you in the English Standard Version because I think it brings another angle to this. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Because Jesus said yes, because Jesus said yes to the will of God, I can say amen to what Jesus did and experience the promises of God for myself. And so you and I have the opportunity to say amen to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We have the opportunity to say let it be so to what God did through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. And that is why it's through him that we utter our amen. Somebody say amen. amen. And so 
we find quickly in the next two passages what I believe are four promises that are for us when we say yes to his will. 2 Corinthians 1.21 says, Now he who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. And he's speaking to what comes through Christ. A life lived with Christ will establish you. When you say yes to God, your life will be established. It will be set in place. That's why Peter would write, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were a people but are, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. When you say yes to God in your life, You put yourself in a position to be established by God, to be something you could not be without Him. We become established in Him. And then He says, Not only are you established, but you are anointed. God anoints us when we say yes to Him. I would love to tell us today. That an anointing and a power of God can come to us just doing our own thing and living our own way. But what Paul tells us is that the anointing of God comes when we say amen to what Jesus did on the cross. When we say yes to his will. And so last week we had a powerful service where I felt the anointing of God. I felt to anoint families and parents and grandparents and and single uh, adults. I felt that anointing that God wanted to do a great work. But I want to tell you, the work that God wants you to do will not happen when you say yes and no to the will of God. When sometimes you say yes and you're obedient to his will and then other times you say no The anointing of God, the promise of that anointing comes when you say yes to him. And what we understand, I read it last week, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. That anointing oil did not come just by random uh, happenstance. It came because the priest would do exactly what God wanted them to do to create it. And that anointing oil became something that could bring break yokes and when you're obedient to the promises of God and when you say yes to the will of God there are yokes in your life that will be broken I want to preach for you today I want to preach for you some of you are saying yes and sometimes you're saying no I'm telling you your best effort is to say yes to the will of God each and every time say yes to his work say yes to his will 
because with it, uh, when you say yes, there will be an anointing that comes on your life. Uh, there will be an anointing that comes on your parenting. Uh, there will be an anointing that comes with you when you walk into your job, uh, when you go into your school, when you're walking in obedience to the word of God and you're saying yes, uh, there is an anointing uh, that will destroy yokes. That's why Jesus would say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I pray an anointing on you today that you would be able to proclaim a day and a year of freedom for your family, for your future. Oh, hallelujah. His anointing comes on us. We're established in him. We are anointed by him. And Paul said, who also has sealed us. The sealing metaphor draws from an ancient custom in Paul's everyday world. It would indicate ownership. He's saying that we become God's property. And what we have to understand in the context of this is Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, a church who was in a city where one-third of the population were slaves. And another large majority of the population were former slaves or freedmen. And so he's making a connection to them that you understand what it's like to be owned. You understand what it's like to be held bondage. But when you say yes, when you utter an amen to what Christ did, you are saying, God, seal me. Take my life. Own me. Use me for your glory. And so Paul would write to the Ephesian church and he said, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. But God did not just take ownership of you by just stealing you. We understand that Jesus Christ paid a price for you and I. Oh, hallelujah. And so this sealing marks the beginning of God's work in believers. And he says this, as I come to a close, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The guarantee speaks to the idea of a deposit. Comes from the world of legal documents and may also be rendered first installment. It was a down payment that acknowledged that the guarantee you would, the person who was making the guarantee, that he had more to come, but that the person receiving the guarantee would obligate themselves to do the work of the person who was putting down the deposit. And so he's given us 
the spirit in our hearts as a down payment, as just the beginning of what he's going to do in our lives from here to eternity. And so this promise we understand is that there is more to come, that this is not the end of it all, but there is more to come. And that's why Paul would write in his first letter, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We realize that we have an inheritance. The Spirit of God in us is just the beginning. It's just the tip of the iceberg. What is my best yes? I can say yes to a lot of things in life, and I do say yes to a lot of things in life, and have, and you have too. But I think you'd probably agree it's not been your best yes. Not been your best yes to go some of the places you've gone, do some of the things that you've done. Today, through God's word, I feel we have the opportunity to give our best yes. And that best yes is to do the will of God at any cost. To do the will of God at any cost. Because with it, with that yes, we are established. And with that yes, we are anointed. And with that yes, we are sealed. And with that yes, we find the guarantee that there is greater to come. Would you stand with me this morning? Paul made reference to a struggle that he would have where he said, I know the right thing to do, but a lot of times I end up doing the wrong thing. We talked about that, and I know today. Maybe there are people here today who you've made some decisions in your life you're not proud of, you've done some things you're not proud of. But I believe today that that doesn't have to be the defining decision in your life. I see testimonies all over this room of individuals who said yes to some bad things, some wrong things. But when they said yes wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ, it changed their life forever. And I'm reaching for some today who maybe you identify with what Paul was saying. Sometimes I say yes 
to the will of God? Sometimes I say no to the will of God. You understand that struggle more than maybe you realize or more than we realize. You get caught up in what the world is offering. You get caught up in desires of the flesh, pleasures in this life. You get caught up in your own history, your own story. But I'm believing today that some of you can say yes to God in this room. And if you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never said yes to his covering. You've never said yes to his forgiveness in your life. I encourage you today to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You haven't experienced the wonder of his spirit. A few weeks ago, we had a number of people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the first time. How do you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You have to say yes. You have to surrender all your heart to all of him. And today, today you can do that. There are some who I know today maybe are feeling something from the Lord. You want to do something for the Lord. You're hungry for God in a special way. And I'm praying today that you will unequivocally just say yes to the full measure of the will of God. That's why you see that sign above our water fountain because Bishop Pasley the first, that was their motto. Whatever it took, whatever it took to do the will of God. And each of you that may look a little bit different on what you gotta let go of, what you have to say no to, but I'm pretty confident that most of us know when we're not doing the will of God. So I'm challenging you today to say yes. I want to pray for you and then I'm going to invite you to come in just a moment. Lord, I thank you for your hand that's mighty in this room. God, we know through your example, we know through your example that you were willing to say yes every step of the way. Every step of the way that led you to the cross, you said yes. And out of that, Lord, you changed the world. And Lord, today I'm just praying that somebody in this room would utter an amen. They would say an amen. They would echo it to say, even so, let that be my story. Let me say yes to your will today, Lord. Whatever that means, whatever I have to lay down, whatever I have to give up, whatever I have to do to to experience all of you, let it be yes today. Because we know your promises are sure. All of your promises, all of your promises are through you. 
This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.